So I discovered a thing <laughs> yesterday and I wanted to tell you guys and the audience that we don't have <laughs> in real time. Okay. It appears mm-hmm. uh, so so nice use of the passive voice. E- eagle eagle eared listeners uh will be looking at this episode and they'll be saying, Well, hold on, you skipped something. And that's because I unintentionally deleted Jack and I's recording of the Battleship Potemkin episode. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Which is a shame because I think it I, I remember it being quite a good episode that I was very proud of. Does this mean Matt gets another pick? No. I, I kind of <laughs> if Matt deleted his own pick, then he has to live with that. Yeah. I kind of feel, you know, it happens sometimes and footage gets wow. deleted. It wasn't recoverable. I like did you... it weeks ago thinking that I had it saved in a second location. That's and, so unlike uh, you, babe. Yep. Boy. It is. So we have a lost so episode. I, a lost I, yeah. episode. <laughs> I apologize, co-hosts and non-existent audience for the lost episode of Battleship Potemkin. So um, is this going to be episode 28? We just say we don't have episode 27 or is this episode 27? We'll make it a I mean, Patreon a... exclusive, but the tier is so high that no one can ever get it. <laughs> uh, that's up to you guys. I, I don't really care how we number it. I'm happy to just skip 27 um, and make people wonder. It's like Let's just post how our elevators. Audio. D- it's it's like, just the two of you. <laughs> yeah. that. I say we call this episode 28, uh, and that will be the missing episode 27 that we can just refer to we can re-release re-record it later maybe you know how like elevators yeah. never like uh, buildings never have a floor 13 yeah yeah right it's That'll like that we don't have an floor. episode 27 it's, <laughs> yeah, it's just luck. a thing yeah <laughs> okay yeah uh i mean that sucks but it happens i don't think you did it on um, purpose i do i just want to give a brief trigger warning this episode contains uh graphic depictions of sexual assault so um listeners listen at your own discretion spoiler alert uh the, the bandit raped the wife and <laughs> murdered the samurai in a clumsy again. duel so bad <laughs> i like the synergy so i like bad. it <laughs> do it live i'm your should friend telling take. you that that was bad should i redo it <laughs> yeah redo it from the whole thing, or <laughs> no? You no, can no, cut the trigger, trigger warning. Was great. Yeah, that yeah. Was great. Okay, so that was pause. fine. So that was good. I mean, this is all staying in. So you do what you want. <laughs> That's I'm just what gonna... you said. Like spoiler around now. <laughs> spoiler. Oh, oh, did I? Oh, I didn't realize. Yeah, I just kind of plowed right through it. What if? What would? What would he do? Tyler, infamously distractible. Tyler, what do you think he would do if we all yelled spoiler alert at the same time as he was trying to say it? And then just like did ran like our own spoiler <laughs> alerts while he was trying to do the official one. I don't think he'd like it. Well, now that you've already talked about it, I feel like I would just go along with it. I'm a good sport sometimes. I'm not spoiler always. Spoiler alert! Another, spoiler alert! I'm keeping it. Welcome to Syndication, the only podcast that can't understand the things men do: depravity, <laughs> duels, and lies. This episode, we give conflicting accounts of the 1950s psychological thriller. Rashomon. I'm your host, Tyler Young, and I am uh, with one person locally and two other people remotely. Who Who are you? Hey, I am Devin Ellis. Hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> We've been trapped in an apartment together for almost a year. Yeah. An entire we year. before then, too, so. Yeah, but at least I, you know, could go out and see other people and go out in public and do things. And, yeah, I get it. You know, 
we didn't work in the same office, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't have to see your face all the time and hear you on calls right, and stuff. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. What's an uh, office? That's a building where people used to work <laughs> together <laughs> in the What's same place. I miss them. We're in a panorama. In a Patricia. <laughs> I never thought I would, but I do now. I'm, I kind of miss being at the office and like getting up and getting dressed and going to a place and not yes. being in my apartment. It, it felt healthier for me. Yeah. <laughs> Anything to differentiate the, uh, the, you know, the, the passage of time in any way. Yeah. Hey, I'm off of work. Guess I'll just continue sitting here at my desk and <laughs> <laughs> looking at stuff. <laughs> and who, who are you two? I love it. Oh, yeah. Names. I'm. I haven't come up with a surname. Matt deleted the footage. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm. Jackie didn't come up with a hyphenated name this week because this movie was a lot. Mr. and Mrs. Fumblefingers. Because <laughs> <laughs> you fumbled it with your fingers. I like that one. Yeah. Um, so anybody, I don't know. We used to do a drinking thing. Anybody drinking anything? I have a seltzer water. I got some regular water. <laughs> I'm drinking bullet whiskey. Yeah, there you go. I love bullet. Because it's Let's a Japanese film. Also, I just drink a lot of tea. Yeah. Tea. Uh, I thought you were saying Matt was drinking bullet whiskey because it's Japanese film. Yeah, that doesn't really <laughs> That's track. That's it. That's it. So just to get us slightly back on track. We, so we were supposed to watch Battleship Potemkin, which we did. And I think we, we will have explained why we're not talking about that now. Um, and then, uh, Jackie, you picked Paris's burning correct and that's what we were supposed to watch and talk mm-hmm. about in this episode that is not what we watched no we uh went for Rashomon instead well I went for Rashomon instead because in taking the temperature on Paris is burning because I felt like we needed an LGBT film um but it, it seemed like you know I wasn't even as excited about it as I wanted to be um it didn't, the vibe wasn't right for it. We're in a panorama. And so then uh, I went for Rashomon. And I, I was, I don't remember what I was watching, but there was some TV show or something where they mentioned the the show was sort of predicated on the Rashomon effect. And I went, what is that? And I looked it up and I said, wow, that looks really interesting. What show and was it? And then Matt said that he wanted to see that film too. So then I knew it was an arty, artsy fartsy movie. Yeah. So I went for it. And it was also 88 minutes. I mean, it's our second Kur- uh, Kurosawa film. Mm-hmm. It was The Last Samurai. Yep. Yep. Uh-huh. Same seven director. Samurai. I'd love Oh, Seven movie. Samurai, not The Last Samurai. That's a Tom Cruise movie. <laughs> yeah. We'd never watch shitty films like that on syndication. No, never. Never watch happy movies, especially ones that I choose. <laughs> yeah. But that but, was the whole thinking behind that. I mean, we should watch... Um, something about lgbt culture at some point but you sure. know rashomon is such a classic and and has influenced pop culture in a in a profound way so i think it was a good pick for us i yeah i love uh, apparently this this movie is really highly influential and on like all the top you know films lists and stuff so glad we watched it i'm glad you picked it but did you have any like knowledge of the movie before going into it before watching it the only thing I knew was the Rashomon effect. Um, which is what? Which is, um, and I, I think the way that it's defined online, it, there's there are two different main, two main dif- dif- differing definitions. And the first one is uh, recounting an event 
like like different recountings of of the same event and sort of you know what is truth truth is a sphere and then the second one is it kind of expands on that you know recountings of the same event from different perspectives in which each person attempts to make themselves look like the ideal version of themselves which and i right. think the second mm. definition is 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 more true to what the intention of the film is um i think that's a really important piece of um of understand i mean the characters were just so in, in these brief little vignettes, so three-dimensional, even the freaking samurai. I mean, it was it was incredible. You just got so much information because they were trying to show you who they wanted uh, to be. Um, and I think that's really important with understanding the the, the premise of and the the foundation of, of what the message is. Right. So I mean, like, had you heard of it? Like going, I had heard the name, but I had no mm -hmm. idea it was a Kurosawa film, and. Um, I didn't know anything about the plot or, or anything like that. Any of you guys? That's about the same. Yeah. Yeah. I like heard the name, didn't know anything about it. I, I knew it was about like unreliable narrators. Like I knew okay. that, that like that central. Who don't think they're unreliable. <laughs> right. I knew that central premise of like, we're going to see the same story told multiple times and they're going to be contradictory. And um, that's an important element too. They're all contradictory. Yeah. So, I know uh, this so like I knew that I knew it was Kurosawa, but I had never seen it. I, I know had this, anybody this... seen it? I guess no. no, no. Oh, good pick then. Oh yeah, it's a great pick. So as far as like the the synopsis, it's just it's a pretty simple one. It's just the story of three guys at a broken down city gate to Kyoto, and that's called the Rashomon Gate, which is what the movie is based off of the the film's name. Is the and city the, called Rashomon or is it the, like the, the gate only? I think it's just the gate is called the Rashomon gate and it's to okay. the city of Kyoto. Okay. Um, and they're just, they're recounting. It's like the, the woodcutter said like, oh, I saw a bunch of belongings on this like mountain path. And he talks about the murder of the samurai uh, and how his wife, uh, you know, was raped there and he was murdered. And he like talks about, um, the different uh like everyone's account of the story of this bandit who came and murdered this guy and raped his wife um and then there was like a they're at a trial right that's what it was they're all taken to court y yes yeah, i think so i think so like that is so like the fact that they're like at the court is is a retelling trial yeah yeah i mean it's set in what um the 12th century yeah like feudal japan yeah, which I, that has to be this sort of period piece has to be a thing. It has to be a trope of some sort in this kind of film. What the just where it is like, yeah, sort of where it is and how I mean, it was so well executed that I have there was like a, there was a very real Hollywood kind of a vibe to it that made me think that these sorts of period pieces about medieval Japan were probably in vogue in the fifties and in, in, in Japanese film. I don't know. It just it was it was too beautifully done to just be like a one off sort of idea, I felt. Well this movie, uh from what I was like I was watching this um this like lecture about the the movie from uh this guy David Thorburn. Thorpe Thorburn mm -hmm. uh from MIT talking about how like this movie like transforms uh Kurosawa's career even though it didn't oh, wow. really do well in Japan. Apparently, do you know if this came out before Seven Samurai Ooh. or after? Was it fifty two, fifty five? So this movie is nineteen fifty Seven uh -huh. Samurai. So it must have been before. 
It was, yeah, that was 54, yeah. Seven Samurai. So yeah, like apparently the budget wasn't very big either. It didn't look very big. I, I was thinking that when we were watching the movie is I thought they got pretty far with very minimal sets, right? Oh, yeah. It was just three sets, right? It was just yeah. the right. gate, the courthouse, and then the grove, like the mountain path and the grove. They also had the beach. Oh, yeah, oh, very briefly, the beach. the beach. Right, when... Um, At the beginning with the bandit. Yeah. Okay. When he was reeling on the ground after he fell off his horse oh, and right. or drank poisonous water. <laughs> oh, my God. I just want to talk about... Uh, I mean, so that that's the whole plot, right? So they just talk about this event that happens, and then they find a baby, and... <laughs> Yep. <laughs> the the commoner, that's his name, the commoner, he just uh steals the baby's like belongings that had a kimono and an amulet with it. He's like, Well, mine, bye. And then I guess that the whole movie basically is just like talking about human nature, right? Like just people's like man's desire to like be selfish and, you know, do everything for themselves and how people inflate you know, they tell stories that make themselves look good to inflate their ego and Mm-hmm. And then the priest is talking about like he doesn't believe that he believes that, that you know people are better than that and um the woodcutter that was with him like takes the baby and for a second he's like what the hell are you do with this baby <laughs> <laughs> and finds out that the guy has like a bunch of kids already and he's just going to take care of them you know with the kids and that's why uh he, he apparently like he stole the it was like one of the mysteries of the movie that who stole the blade the dagger that the the wife had mm-hmm. it was a woodcutter it turns out it's just to feed his family. So, so yeah, it's like I guess just about human nature and like um, altruism versus you know being self-serving. And the idea of truth, you know, I I thought throughout yeah. the film there was a lot of it was sort of this. I mean, Robert Frost kind of was around during this period, but I I really was thinking about the way that Frost uses um, his words to talk about nature and how it describes his inner life and his his desires and things, you know, that are unsaid and unmanifested. And um, I I really thought that in this film, they used a lot of natural imagery, like light, wind, um, and, and, and sort of, um, the cinematography as well you know the the same set for example in the grove looked so different in each of the vignettes so i i thought that you know he they really the 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 symbolism of nature really told a story about truth and how it's obscured and how it's turned on his head and and i i don't know there was something in there for me i haven't quite teased it out yet but about truth and sort of the spherical nature of it depending on what angle you're looking at it from um, but definitely the nature of man and sort of how that gets how, how, you know, the best intentions of wanting to present yourself in a good light because we're all the protagonists of our own story and the heroes of our own lives. You know, there's it, whether you steal something, you know, it looks like an unethical thing, but to feed your family, it's more complicated. You know, it's yeah, human nature is complex. I, I could I really agree with your, what you're saying, Tyler. The. uh I mean, did you guys find it hard to watch? I found it a little hard to watch, even though just because of subject matter, you know, definitely. And the the what like the the cultural norms that were being shown because like the movies made in 1950. I don't know, you know, Japanese culture in 1950s very well, but you know, it's a very misogynistic story. 
Um, but I think, you know, it's depicting those times, like, like in feudal Japan, like that's how things were. I don't know if they were still kind of that way or if they still are. Yeah. The motivations around like honor and purity were yeah a little challenging to relate to. And especially if you're, you know, watching from modern times and from an outsider because it's a movie. Right. Um, it's a little challenging to, I guess understand <laughs> at least why right like it seems like mm. uh, it's like the wife's point of view like when she was telling the story she was like okay you like she, to her lie to make her look good was like oh i you know right was you know taken over by this guy this bandit and then to preserve my honor i freed my husband and made them duel you know, so like one of them will die. So I'm not like my shame isn't known to two men, I guess, was the, the deal back then. Well, her story was wasn't that her husband was looking at her like with disgust or something. Right. Yeah. And she fainted. That's what it was. And she fainted and then woke up and he was dead. And but then like, she tried to kill herself, but like couldn't manage. <laughs> right. That's right. She like couldn't do it somehow. Yeah, that was like I don't know for me, just like uncomfortable to watch. Although, like I do, I do like the movie for like introducing. I think it was like one of the first movies to do that whole unreliable narrator and showing different perspectives of the same story. Could have been. I mean, that's what the Rashomon effect is, you know, named after, right? Oh yeah, I guess so. <laughs> well, I wonder if if setting it in feudal Japan had something to do with this, you know, sort of bringing into starker relief the idea of ethics and the nature of man and sort of you know there are these strong ideas of fidelity and chivalry and and gender roles and so maybe that yeah. sort of brought all of that into the fore just a little bit more and it's you know somehow still relevant because ideas of and and the fact of the reality of sexual assault and murder and you know being ambushed and assaulted when it's just a normal day for you and the worst and it, and it ends up being the worst day of your life you know those kinds of traumas are so resonant today but if you put it in a temporal context where there are just really different societal structures i think i don't it was so effective but it, i i agree that i mean particularly for the for the violence it was it was quite hard to watch for me do you think like the what movie was uh trying to be like an indictment of those like gender norms and, and stuff like that because like because the, the the woodcutter's tale is supposed to be like the true story, right? Like what he witnessed and how like the fight was really like there's no music and it was really clumsy and they didn't want to do it and they're all like scared and sweaty and fumbling around. So like, do, do you think like because like the reality was like she, you know, was screaming at them and insulting them and then they you know tried to like fight because that's what you're supposed to do, but they didn't really want to do it. They looked like kind of cowardly while they were doing it and. And then, like you know, the bandit really only won because the the samurai had like like tripped in the bushes, and he just kind of like cowardly like just like threw the sword at him from a distance, and then you know she ran off. Like, do you think the movie was kind of like turning a lens on those kind of traditions and showing it in, in a in a poor light? You think? Well, I I mean, I, I guess I would push back a little bit on the idea that that was like the true recounting. You don't think so? Like, so I, it was I, the best and most fun to watch for sure. I think I think it's really telling and important that they chose to put that as the last one. So you've just spent an entire movie um like sort of having it hammered home that like 
None of these tales are true. Um, I can't remember if they did if they did the knife reveal before or after he did his his recounting, but either way, it's sort of. I think it was after. I just I think that it makes. I mean, I don't know about anybody else, but like I just spent an entire movie being told like people are unreliable narrators. Um, and while I think it could be true that his is the most accurate, um, you know, I think he, like everyone else, I think the whole point of the movie is that like people, um, I don't know, it's like it's almost a movie about movies, if that makes sense. It's well, almost a frame story within a frame story. As you yeah, it it's out. a frame story within a frame story. There's just like there's a really like meta quality to it about. Um, it's like a director meditating on the power of a director, right? Like facts may remain mostly similar, but the way that you frame a shot, frame a movie, frame a story that you're telling is going to dramatically change the value judgments that the audience or jury are going to make as they receive that story, right? Like it's a story That's about true, yeah. storytelling. Yeah, because um, yeah, so, the like, facts like in all the stories remain the same. Like a woman was assaulted, a man right. was murdered, and she got away, you know, and then he was taken to court. That's right. all like in every story. That's exactly the same. But right, like the power of a director, like showing it in different angles or different music. Right. It, and so, like, I, I think um, I, I think there's like a really valid case for the woodcarvers uh, or the woodcutters um, story being the most accurate. But I also think that to to definitively say, like, that's the one that's the way it happened is to, like, miss the point of the movie, which is that's true. It's impossible to know the truth if you're not there. It does feel the um, most believable being that it's like the most messy, you know? Yeah, it's the most likely at the very least, if not the truth. story. Yeah. But I, but I, I mean, there's no way to ever know this. But if if Kurosawa came out tomorrow and said the woodcutter's story, and maybe he's done this, but if he came out and said the woodcutter's story is the way that it actually happened, I feel like it would take all of the wind out of the movie. It would it would fly like directly contrary to the theme uh, and and the purpose of the movie. Um, so I I think the whole point is that you can't know and that you will never know. Yeah. And and I don't know, maybe Kurosawa's come out and said, like, that's the real one, in which case, you know, I look foolish. And no, but what does it say about our willingness to say, oh, well, it's a woodcutter. So obviously that was true. All the other three are bullshit. You know, we want to believe that there is a truth and we want to believe that someone's objective when the woodcutter story. I remember when and I think it was in his vignette, the 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 wife of the samurai I mean, none of these people had names except for the bandit, um, the wife of the whose name I can't remember, but the wife of the samurai launched into this incredible feminist tirade about how men are garbage and should take themselves out. You know what I mean? It was, it, you know, you both yeah. should be ashamed of yourselves. You know, you're acting, you're both acting ridiculous. And but she didn't do that in her version, right? That was in the, fight, that was in the was woodcutter version, right? I think I think it was the yeah that was the woodcutter version of and she just was a total badass which is interesting like she didn't like that wasn't in her version when she was telling it like you think that mm. that would be how she would see herself but well but you got to remember the different cultural context right right like yeah being a badass woman is not a good thing when you're on trial for yeah. adultery and possibly uh, you know, conspiracy for murder in medieval Japan. Yeah, probably contrition is going to be a better defense strategy. 
But I think that's the point, right? Like everybody has ulterior motives. Everybody sees reality differently. And so, you know, playing with the same basic facts, you can come up with, what was it? Four very different stories with with four very different versions of all three characters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I loved, by the way, um, the fact that they have the murdered samurai's point of view through a medium. Oh, yeah, so good. It took the me a wind. second during that, and I was like, "Okay, I'm pretty sure they want us to like assume this to be actually his spirit, like telling the story, right? Like actually the murdered samurai's version." Well, even that is still a story. It's one of the right. people at the gate it's telling the story of a ghost being, yeah. <laughs> but um. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. I wasn't entirely sure what to make of that at first. Because I thought it was going to be like, you know, the medium being unreliable, which it still obviously could be. I think that also falls exactly in line with the point of the movie. Um, but I think it could also be, right, just within the context of, of the film, it being a true telling from, you know, the murder, murdered samurai, I guess, from beyond. Well, I, I also, you know, like we briefly touched on this, but it's also worth remembering that we don't actually see anybody's testimony. We see people's that recollections too. of right. people's recollections. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he really buries fact very deep. Um, right. Like we're watching a story like, third hand. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I, I remember thinking, OK, well, we have the bandit and he's obviously you know, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. And then we have the wife who can't stop fucking keening over the death of her, death of her husband. And then we have, a, now we have a fucking medium. I just remember thinking like, this is getting more and more absurd. I don't know what I expect a trustworthy narrator to look like or sound like, but this is just getting worse and worse over time. Yeah. Did, did you guys also notice that the first three stories, everyone cop to the murder? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was, it was very, well, for the most part, right? Yeah, because the bandit said he killed the samurai. That, samurai said he killed himself. Right. Mm. In the wife's story, I think like he just ends up dead. She doesn't see it or like yeah, know anything it, about it. The way it. it was filmed, it appeared to me at least that like she killed him but didn't re remember it, right? Right. Yeah, and, like fainted or yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, because she's walking towards him with a knife, hysterical, <laughs> and then she's like, and then I fainted. I don't remember what happened. Yeah, I just blacked out. But mm -hmm. I mean, Right. We don't really actually know how he died for certain. 100%. No. Although two stories are that it was the bandit that did it, right? Yeah, I think so. Just with different motives. I love the way they did that, like overdub on the, the dead samurai's voice. Or was that the, yeah. that was supposed to be the medium itself, right? Medium like was I dancing think it was around. his voice like modulated in some way. Yeah. Yeah, because it was a it was a female medium and it was a male voiced narrator. Yeah, so I think it was overdubbed. That effect was really cool. Hey, did you know <laughs> <laughs> this is the first one? I can't believe it. It's so late in the app. It's been a it's been a while. Uh, yeah, some yeah sometimes I I do it all uh, like all at the end. Sometimes I sprinkle them in throughout the thing. But uh, the at the gate at Rashomon, they used black ink in the water just so it'd show up better on film. Hmm. For uh, for the rainstorm, yeah. What I did, love, did you know that? I love, uh, like, I, now having watched two films, nobody does texture better than Kurosawa. Mm -hmm. I don't know what his what about his cinematography is so good, but like, 
the rain and then um when the woodcutter in his first telling right not the final one but like where he's just wandering through the woods and finds a body um there's like the he's walking through and they just the way the sun and shadows play across his face then they keep looking up at the at the canopy of leaves and it's like moving i don't know it's just so beautiful Um, yeah apparently they use like um big big mirrors to reflect the sun like back into the camera you know and like and across the characters faces to like really show that light coming through the trees Hmm. it gave me like real like um apocalypse now heart of heart of darkness vibes of like oh like he's like this you know you're you're leaving the light you're walking into um into the darkness does anyone i mean this is gonna be a crazy i mean there's no way to doubt whether someone is dead right you know what i mean like someone's dead or they're not but is there something in this film about um i know it's not a commentary on sort of how society defines sexual assault and what is enough to characterize an assault as a rape or something like I don't know I I, I felt like there was some sort of veiled it was addressing for me it was addressing that thematically in some ways and sort of I don't know if if you if, if the think... person I don't know it was there was just something in I don't know I felt uncomfortable it was a little complicated for me um, did you guys pick up on anything sort of convoluted there or or not really it wasn't clear to me to what extent the assault was right because they pan away um they also didn't show i don't think any of like the actual murders other than the suicide right yeah like he just threw a knife into like the woods for two of them for me anyway like it felt pretty definitive that like in each telling that like she was definitely like like they had sex right and, and it, it was, was against her right well I, is well, that true i think in in the in the woodcutters or not in the woodcutters in, in, the, the, in the bandits in the bandits telling she, she was like a little bit she just, wanted him but yeah she, she was resistant at first but then like gave in and then it was right. like totally consensual right but this comes from like a time in film history when that's that's consent right like it's problematic today but like from the thanks harrison ford (laughs) from from the from the artists from like the author point of view at the time it was written i think that that was seen as consensual i I don't know i didn't get the feeling that it was still consensual i think he was just saying that like oh i was so powerful and manly that she couldn't help herself but i it still didn't feel consensual and i don't think the movie was trying to make it seem that way either I, I, I mean, it's possible I could be misremembering this because I we watched this like two weeks ago. But doesn't she say like, "Oh, my husband's such a yeah something. N- I want to go with you, yeah. nudge or whatever." Yeah, and, and like, oh, I need a real powerful man. I've heard of you. Yeah, that's you know, true. Far and wide. I still feel like it's hard to parse out, you know, the implication through the lens of modern days through the 50s and then also the unreliable narrators and then also the fact that it takes place in you know medieval japan yeah right like there's a lot of layers of of (laughs) cultural differences of like what you know what when was it with what intent was it written i guess right but i think the argument that i would make as to why i think it was consensual in that telling is that i think that goes to the heart of what we're talking about, right? Like, because the, the bandit was the, saying it. Yeah, the point of the film is that, like, the bandit probably truly believed, or at least 
wanted other people to believe that he was, you know, like virile and manly enough that um, she wanted him, right? That it was consensual. No, no rapist thinks of themselves as a rapist, right? They all think like, oh, that's, you know, there's some extenuating circumstances that like, that's not rape. Like, uh, you know, I just had, she took some convincing. And I think right. like, I'm, I'm not defending that, but I no. am saying like that's, in his mind, th that's what he, right. That's like, that's what the film's going for is that like nobody sees themselves as the villain. Right. Um, I agree with you. I, I, I just mean that he would have told a different story if, if this was modern times and he was trying to make himself look good. Right. And make that look consensual. Right. Yeah. Right. Fair I, enough. It wouldn't have been, I'm so macho. It would have been, well, she didn't say no. And it was the right, you know, well, you know what I right. mean? He would have, it would have been on her. The, so, the... yeah. So I just, I didn't know if that was a product of the fifties yeah. or a product of the setting of the movie. Right. That That's yeah. what I mean. And I think there, there is something interesting in there about, um, uh, you know, part of, part of it is, is, uh, unique to feudal Japan and like their sort of mores, but there's also something interesting about the way that, uh, victims of, of sexual assault, like process mm -hmm. that, right? Like she immediately feels shame. She feels like it's her fault. Mm -hmm. Like there's a version where she's saying like, oh, you have to kill my husband. Somebody no, nobody knows about my shame, right? Like it's, it's, um, uh, uh, like it, it, it she like correctly surmises it. that it's like her problem now, even it, even in the versions where, um, she did not, you know, she was not a willing participant, right? Um, and I, I think, like, it, I, I don't know in the 1950s how enlightened Japan was about, um, you know, gender relations and, and sexual assault and stuff like that. But I, I I thought the film aged really well in that way, in the way that multiple people, I mean, we like, that's still a thing that we hear today, right? Like most people will say like, believe the victim. Um, but there's still people that say like, oh, she, she wanted it. She was at, you know, she was dressed however way she was asking for it. Um, this is just such a nuanced and modern um, way to present something this, complicated but also emotional right um, and it, it was i just i really admire and the fact that we're having a calm conversation about well was she really right i mean and we're not saying that in a way that's sort of sensationalist but saying we trying to look at different perspectives of the same horrible trauma and i, th I think that's a really I, I think i think it's really masterful honestly to have that it, to present something in such a way where people can have discourse like that about about trauma yeah. And I think it's interesting, right? Like, so there's trauma that everyone sees differently. Right. Um, and then at the end of the film, lest you just think it's negative things that have this effect, like they present the same thing with the baby, right? The guy picks up the baby and everybody assumes he's doing something terrible. Mm. And it's like, no, like this... The it, it, it's not even like unreliable narrator. It's like unreliable recipient of sensory data. But right? how can you yeah. blame the recipients when all what they've just seen for the last 80 minutes was horrible? But this and is the my commoner point. Even yeah. says I'm saying that like, too. The commoner yeah, is like, it, yeah, I don't blame you. You know, after all the shit we just heard, <laughs> you know, it's some crazy shit. I just think yeah. it's interesting that it's not just the telling of the story that is, you know, refracted by personal experience. It is 
literally just like receiving data from the outside world. We filter it and 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 it 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 passes through, you know, our experience and personhood and we come to very different um uh, uh conclusions, you know, based on nothing other than like what's recently happened to us, who we are, what we think about humanity and what we're capable of. It's like an availability it, yeah. heuristic. And it looks like that's how they show like that's how prejudices form where you're like, oh, you're a guy who's down like hard on his luck. So obviously you're going to try to like steal from me or pickpocket me or like do something mm -hmm. like wacky to this baby, you know, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. <laughs> you know, I know that well last put. bit of the film was so important. I, I'm sure it was in some ways the climax of the film, but it was for me and i don't want us to gloss over it maybe we can put a pin in this but i would really like to unpack the <laughs> why that scene was there and and sort of what we should take away from it but i think you were saying something devin and i interrupted un unwittingly no you did not uh what are your thoughts on it let's unpack it right now i'm just i'm gonna ask you all because i i think i have a real mishmash of thoughts you mean the baby scene the baby scene it felt pretty cut and dry to me as far as what we just talked about right um it's just a statement on you know humanity and the priest after hearing all the awful things that everyone was just talking about assuming after the woodcutters retelling of the tale and being like yeah humans are fucked up what yeah, I, thought it was a little, I thought it was a little tacked on it felt tacked right i thought the baby like at first i'm like oh is that the wife's baby from yeah. the story, is it tie back into everything we were just hearing? But no, it was just a random, yeah. you know, baby there. It didn't feel like it had any more of a statement than what was obvious to me, at least. Mm -hmm. uh, nothing that I could read in, more into, at least. I think it was just about like perceptions, right? About who's willing to do what, and we can't really tell based on, you know, just uh, you know, when you, when you're just looking at somebody you know, what they're going to do next, what's in their heart, mm -hmm. you know, how they see themselves, how they see everybody else. I think that's the whole point of the end of it, right? Yeah, I don't think it's, I don't think it's related to plot. I think it's related to theme. Yeah. Yeah, that's why it feels random after we've just spent in, uh, like a, so much time in such a plot heavy space, maybe. Well, there's not, I mean, this is a, I, I would say this is a plot light movie, right? There's basically one scene that we just replay a bunch of different times. Yeah. Um, so I suppose, but you're looking for what actually happened. What was the real plot? And so I think this emphasis on plot and then to go to the end of the film in the last few minutes and say, wow, look, one of the most basic ethical dilemmas, a man steals food for his family. Is he, a, you know, I mean, well, it's, it's I think, sort of. I think what actually happened in the movie, the only thing that's concrete is three men were sitting at a gate telling a story, right? <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that's, like, that's the entire story of the movie. And then they find a baby and then one guy's a dick and the other guy isn't, you know. One guy's a dick and the other guy isn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert, three dudes sitting at the gate. <laughs> But I think that's the only thing that's concrete that we can tell actually for real happened. We're like we're seeing that firsthand. Everything else is just like a cautionary tale or an allegory. Well, and that dude could have been taking that baby to go cook for dinner. You know, I mean, we don't even know <laughs> yeah. if he's a good guy, which is yeah, probably we still don't know. Point. Right. That's the point. It's uncomfortable. But then like, you know, the rain kind of abated and then the sun peered through and then the I think the priest was looking you know, with his hand over his heart or something with a smile hey, on his face from did the Did you know that that last scene there was supposed to be overcast, but they couldn't catch the right weather, so it ended up like looking sunny and 
optimistic when it wasn't supposed to be. Whoa. Oh shit. I thought it was the whole yeah. point. I was like, oh man, there's the sun. And that's so well, but like, I, I think you're still missing one level, which is that you're watching a film, right? So no matter what the weather does, it's still a story being told to you by an unreliable narrator. It is Kurosawa telling you a story. And so like, he's, I think he intentionally, you know, muddies the water about what might happen at the end of that film and whether or not that guy is going to eat that baby or <laughs> raise it because that's like, that's the, eat it or raise it. That's the point, right? He's like it's all about baby. how it's the only um, two options. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, those are the extremes. <laughs> um, I, I, I really, I, I think you want to get to uh, rate it. A, you want to rate it? Yeah, but like I just this one final thought is that like there's a there's a great um folding ideas video about um uh the film Annihilation, the ending of it. He loves this video. I I do love this video because I think it really nicely sums up how ambiguous endings are there for a reason and often when there's an ambiguous ending um it's because they're trying to force you away from plot and towards theme. So like to me that's um that's why it ends on like a totally unrelated note to what we've been doing the entire film is because they're trying to force you away from a definitive answer on what happened and and force you to confront how little you actually know um because you know, we say the only concrete thing we know is that three men sat at a gate outside of Kyoto and talked about a trial. Um, but we don't even know that because it's a movie, right? It's fiction. Like yeah. By its by its nature. But that didn't actually happen. It's that not didn't actually happen. Watching. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. We know it didn't happen at the very least since it's a we, movie. I mean, we don't know that. There could have been three men that sat at a gate outside of Kyoto. Okay, there was a gate outside of Kyoto. All right, well, I know those weren't the three men at the very least. (laughs) It is based off of a book, off of two stories, actually, two books crammed into one. One story was about the guys telling a story at Kyoto, and the other was about the actual... So we got another layer. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This is the game of telephone, but with complex topics and murder. So, so Matt, what 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 do you think you would rate it overall? Um, I think I would give it an eight. Okay. Really, really Pretty solid. High. Really, really good. Um, not like a masterpiece. Didn't change my life. But um, I mean, maybe, maybe it's a masterpiece. I just feel like <laughs> this. I, it's a bit of a masterpiece. I don't know. We we've done this so many times that like I feel boring saying it. But like I've seen. Is it Lovecraftian? I've no, I've seen so <laughs> many like episodes of television or plays or like this idea of multiple people retelling the same event in different ways mm. that tells you something about that person and also leaves you not really sure what happened. Like I've seen that so many times. Yeah. It feels played it, out now. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't feel revelatory, but like this was the thing, right? right? Like they're all ripping off this, so it's hard to rate for that reason. But I think eights good right it's like a super solid film but i don't feel if you died without seeing it i don't think you would have lived a pointless life jackie what do you think i'm giving it a nine i was challenged by it on an intellectual and personal level an emotional level and i 
I thought that it was such a dense film in terms of thematic material. And it, it was interesting. There is just, it is an, in, in, in its most basic conceit, it is an interesting idea. It was well explored. It was pithy. It was great. I loved watching that samurai's wife cry. I, I, I just, there were so many, the, the awkward fight in the grove. I thought that was one of the best things part. I've seen. It was so great. It was the awkward it was fight just, with no music was so it reminded good. me Super of funny. Citizen Kane, um, rage quitting his wife's room after she left him. And it just made me really happy. Um, so yeah, I would give it a nine. I really, I loved it. And I'm so glad that I changed my pick. Cause I think Paris is burning. We'll, we'll maybe I'll pick that later, but this was, I, I really, got a lot of value from this film nice yeah how about y'all Devin what, Devin, what do you think how mm. hum I think I'd probably give it like a seven it it was good I felt like I got the point of it pretty pretty early on and um but I don't know I didn't I didn't feel like it gave me a ton of profoundness I mean I felt like I got it. <laughs> it was good though. I liked it. I don't know. I don't really have a ton of, uh, I don't have super strong feelings about it. I felt like it was, it, it made a really good point. Like we've been talking about, about the layers of unreliable narrators and it being a film. And, um, I, I enjoyed that. Um, but, uh, that, that was about it. It felt a little one note to me. That's the only reason it's lower than you guys. I think. Yeah, I think like just going into that, like I rem- it's funny when I watched it, I was not really into it. Uh, I think the the best part for me of the whole movie that kind of carried it was uh, watching the bandits performance uh, to Shiro Mifune. Like I'm a fan of his now and I'm going to go because I loved him in yeah. Seven Samurai. He was a real standout um, part of that movie for me. And I what loved him in name? this. Kukichiro? Kuki- Kuki- uh, Something like that. The, the character or in the Seven Samurai? The character, yeah. I think, yeah, Kikichiro. That sounds right. Had a K in it. But yeah, like... Remember I'm a f- time Matt picked Seven Samurai and then you picked the Western version of that the weekend? I wasn't even there for that. Yeah, and we're just like, hey, this is the same movie. The same movie. <laughs> <laughs> we're just watching this movie twice. But anyway, nice. so like, the, the movie felt slow to me. I wasn't really enjoying it at the time, but like after like watching stuff and reading up on it and talking to you guys about it, I think I have a, a deeper appreciation for it now. Um, especially for its like significance and how it introduced that whole, you know, telling different perspectives of the same story with, you know, with different emotions and, and uh, like agendas tied to them. And um, yeah, I think I, I, I might like it a lot more just in retrospect. Like, I don't know if I'd watch it again, but I'm glad that I've seen it. And I know I've said that a million times on the mm-hmm. show. Um, so I think I'll give it, I think like a six, five, really. I like Kurosawa. Like, I love the filmmaking. Like, I love the camera work in yeah, this. Yeah, me too. I love the way that, like, when they were telling the stories, it, like, was shot very differently from each other. You know, there's a lot of scoring in the original stories, and then the Woodcutter's version didn't. You know, like Jackie was saying, that really clumsy fight at the end. Like, I loved it. Oh. I loved that whole thing. Um, especially, again, Toshiro Mifune. Like, his his whole, like, stage presence in the fights and everything. He's just so animated and, like, you know, dynamic and fun to watch. Um, that I enjoyed it, like I, I enjoyed it on that level. But if, yeah, like same thing with Devin and felt kind of one note because it's very you know plot light, so you're kind of seeing the same thing over and over again. And you know they don't really go 
to many different locales and, you know, there isn't a whole lot going on. So it kind of felt a little slow, even though it's only an hour and a half. But yeah, uh, overall, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I watched it. Glad you picked it. That being said. I mean, we all kind of rated similarly. Yeah, I think so. I think you liked it the most. Yes, you did. Yeah, I did. So, Devin, what are we, uh, what are we doing next week? It's my turn. Debbie, baby. All right, guys. Oh, shit. So. I can't we can't right. hear Devin. Stop it. Boom, 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 He's had a lot of whiskey during this call. <laughs> oh, we're we going again. <laughs> what are we watching next week? So this is a movie that is uh, very left field from what we just watched. It's something that I have not seen, but I have seen a lot of references to it. Uh, and so that excited. is the classic film, RoboCop. RoboCop? You've never seen RoboCop? I've never seen RoboCop. Me? Oh my I've God. I've never seen RoboCop. I've never seen it, guys. That's why the show exists, okay? No yeah. shaming. <laughs> wow. I'm okay. excited. I love this movie. It's so stupid. Uh, what's and the great. guy's name? I forget the director's name. He also did um, Battleship Troopers. Oh. Starship Troopers? Starship Troopers. That's what I meant. Starship. Battleship. Starship Attempt Trooper. Got, uh... <laughs> so, for reference, I, I was going to pick Groundhog's Day. <gasps> I love that one too. But um, I ended up just watching it on my own. So <laughs> either one. I love RoboCop too. For yeah. Groundhog's Day. It was really good, though. I'd give I'd give it like a seven. <laughs> <laughs> Is it Groundhog Day or Groundhog's Day? Is it possessive? It's not plural. It's not like know. for all the groundhogs. I think Groundhog it's, is day. I think it's Groundhog Day. Groundhog Singular. is day. Groundhog, Groundhog is day. Is day. Nice. <laughs> Groundhog is day. Groundhog is day. So I did Groundhog is day. Groundhog is day. Oh, Groundhog is day. Um, so I take it all of you guys have seen Robocop, yeah? No, I, I haven't have. actually. Oh, you haven't, Jackie. Jackie, you're no. gonna love it. No, I don't think I, should. <laughs> I don't know. She's gonna hate it. It's, it's tense. I think it's got romance. I have it's a... got danger. <laughs> <laughs> I have a vague idea about what this movie is, uh, but I'm not. I haven't seen it, so I don't know. It's got cops. It's got robos. <laughs> it is robos. It is the exact <laughs> wrong kind of humor for her. <laughs> okay. No, no, no. She's gonna love all the manliness in the movie. <laughs> People shooting each other, blasting each other. Okay. <laughs> All right. Good good night, folks. Good night. Bye everybody. I love you. Bye.